Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, the time is right for the return of the ocean blue. In some ways there's kind of rooms for all musical forms. I mean, there's certainly the, you know, popular beard and banjo format, and but there's really a lot of bands that I think have a lot of affinity for the kind of music we make. That is Dave Scheltzel, lead singer and chief songwriter for the Ocean Blue, back after a nearly 10-year hiatus. We'll hear more from Dave in just a few minutes. We have another edition of It's Facebook, Not Factbook. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Three decades after Britain went to war over the Falkland Islands, the few hundred inhabitants of this island chain went to the polls for a final day last Monday to say whether they wished to become a part of Argentina. They overwhelmingly voted to remain part of the UK in the least surprising referendum since the last North Korean presidential election. A taxiing Air India Boeing 777 jet clipped the tail of a JetBlue Airbus A320 last weekend at JFK in New York, an incident the Wall Street Journal says could renew calls for steps to prevent such tarmac hazards. The pilot of the Air India jet, however, did leave a note on the windshield of the JetBlue aircraft. Generator problems caused a nightmare aboard the Carnival Dream. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I got this from CNN. Two days after the Carnival Cruise Lines announced a comprehensive review of all of its ships. According to CNN, passengers said they experienced power outages and overflowing toilets while they docked at the port in Philipsburg, St. Martin in the Eastern Caribbean, where they got off and observed power outages and overflowing toilets. I'm not sure that's accurate. St. Martin may be very lovely. Um, Argentine Cardinal Jorge... Mario Baragalagolio has been elected as the new Pope. The 76-year-old, who will be known as Pope Francis, appeared on the balcony of St. Peter's Basilica to cheers from tens of thousands of the faithful gathered below this past Wednesday evening. He then attended a mass in the Sistine Chapel with his fellow 114 voting cardinals, and afterward he headed over to the papal apartment to watch the breaking of the seal that had been placed on its doors uh, when Pope Benedict XVI vacated the residence. Once broken, workers quickly made changes to accommodate its new residence, at which point the new pontiff turned over his security deposit. That was a long way to go, I'm sorry. The Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, an annual gathering of the conservative movement's brightest stars, kicked off this past Thursday at a deciding moment for American conservatives and the Republican Party. Notable speakers included Rand Paul, Foster Fries, and Marco Rubio, who provided the punchline for this story. We don't need a new idea. Legislative debates over gun rights are up significantly since the mass shooting in Newtown, Connecticut last December, and they spurred alleged death threats resulting in two high-profile arrests and causing lawmakers in one state to declare the legislature under attack. Senator Leland Yee, a Democrat from San Francisco, was the recipient of one such alleged death threat. Yee is sponsor of legislation in California that would outlaw devices that make it easier to reload rifles. But see, if all the lawmakers were armed... Hmm... Republican U.S. Senator Rob Portman, uh, my former congressman, on Thursday announced he has reversed his longtime opposition to same-sex marriage after re reconsidering the issue because his 21-year-old son is gay. Portman said his son, a junior at Yale University, told him and his wife, Jane, that he's gay and it's not a choice, it's who he is, and that he had been that way since he could remember. Portman is now calling for the repeal of some parts of the Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, as a sign of support for his gay son. Portman doesn't want any of the stuff about lesbians taken out, though, because he doesn't know any of them. 
And finally, the food fight between Cracker Barrel country stores and Kraft Foods, which make a cheese under the name Cracker Barrel, is getting messier. Kraft is crying foul after the Lebanon, Tennessee-based restaurant chain earlier this month began selling Cracker Barrel-branded hams in grocery stores in several states, despite Kraft's pending lawsuit challenging it, court records show. Expect things to get even messier when the restaurant chain begins selling high-end houseware products under the name Crate and Cracker Barrel. And that's been Fake News with me. Time now for another installment of... It's Facebook, not Factbook. Yes, uh, I'm going to make this one real brief because we have a lot of business to attend to, but I'm sure you've seen on your uh, Facebook page and in your, your feed uh, one of your friends posting something along the lines of something a friend of mine uh, from Cleveland posted, and it says something like, uh, due to new Facebook graph, anyone on Facebook, including people in other countries, can see your pictures, blah, blah, blah. And it skips down and says, uh, I want to stay privately connected with you. That's the key phrase. I post shots of my family I don't want strangers to have access to. So if this happens, when friends click like or comment automatically. So then it goes on to explain to you how you can protect your friend, uh, and he makes the request that you uh, place your mouse over my name and do not click, and a window will appear. So it explains how you're supposed to uh, you know, thwart the Facebook privacy. Uh, standards. Okay, well, this, of course, uh, is bullshit. And um, the first thing I did when I saw this was I looked it up. Wow. And it took me like five seconds to find out that it, this was nonsense, that this doesn't work at all. In fact, it does the opposite. It'll just keep people, your friends, from seeing your stuff. They won't keep people around the world from seeing uh, your other stuff, which I'm not sure they do anyway. Uh, towards that end, you may be saying, well, well, PF, how do you know that this doesn't work? Well, uh, first of all, I uh, checked a couple of sources. And uh, most importantly, my wife is a community manager, meaning she works on Facebook and Twitter for a large multinational corporation. And uh, she kind of knows a lot of the people, the higher ups there at Twitter and Facebook. And uh, yeah, this is complete rubbish. Uh, and not only that, but she actually uh, talks to the young people at schools and churches uh, on occasion and explains to them how to keep their uh, profiles and their pages uh, extremely private. She goes through all the ins and outs. It's kind of cool. So take a volunteer from the crowd, bring up their Facebook page, and then show them how people do actually around the world see your stuff and who can see what, and then shows you how to lock up your Facebook page so it's, you know, it's airtight or airtight as it can be. So uh, anyway, the best part about all this is, is I go ahead and post uh, this saying, you know, this actually doesn't work. And then below that, I say, you may actually be doing the opposite. And then I, I click a, uh, uh, to a link to, to explain this. And uh, so below that, one, two, three, four, five people say done. And it gets better. A couple of these people, let um, me see one guy here. Uh, is a co-founder at a software company. The other lady is an application developer, uh, and <laughs> you'd think they would know better. But of course, as we know... It's Facebook, not Factbook. This is a song called Sublime by The Ocean Blue from their brilliant third album, Beneath the Rhythm and Sound, released in 1993. Their debut album came out in 1989 and was eponymously named The Ocean Blue, and I may be using the word eponymously uh, incorrectly. But anyway, uh, as soon as it came out, they became staples on modern rock and college radio in the late 80s and early 90s. But as the sea of grunge swept a lot of bands out to sea, as it were, The Ocean Blue were left high and dry. 
Sorry for all the puns. But the Ocean Blue are back. That is the good news. And we have lead singer and chief songwriter Dave Schultz on the line. He was kind enough to do an interview with us. And here that interview is. That'll be followed by the brand new single from the Ocean Blue. Here's our interview with Dave Schultz. Trying hard to escape More jangled delusion If you ask me to today Okay, joining us on PF's tape recorder, it's Dave Scheltzel of the Ocean Blue. Dave, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good, man. We um met years and years and years ago. We the probably the last time we spoke was about twenty years ago, uh, when Cerulean was out. Oh and, my goodness. And we we <laughs> first met. I don't know if you remember this. I used to work at a radio station in Pittsburgh called WXVX X15. It was out in the suburbs. Okay. And uh, you guys came out and uh, hung out at the station when the first album came out. We all went and saw your show. You were huge among the uh, station listenership. Small as that listenership was, you were one of the big bands. And, uh, yeah, and we followed your career for quite a number of years after that. What a great. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is going to be the first album uh, since 1999. Uh, what have you been doing, I guess, uh, since you left Mercury Records, which was back in the mid-'90s? Um, well, uh, let's see. Yeah, we left... Uh, Mercury, it took a few years to kind of unwind and decide that we weren't going to do another record for them. I think our record, See the Ocean Blue, came out in uh, the end of 1996. So we toured 96 to 97 and then started working on another record. And at that time, the music business was kind of falling apart. Um, the people that had brought us over to Polygram, Mercury, had all um, left or been fired from Polygram. And so we were kind of faced with the decision of whether we wanted to look for another label or do something differently. And and I, I felt like it was a good time for me to take a break. Uh, I went back to school, went to law school, oh, and wow. um, pursued that for a few years. And I wasn't quite sure what I'd do um, with the band. But when I was in school, we got contacted by a great indie label called March Records, a really good guy there named Skippy McFadden. And he wanted to put out essentially what we had been working on, uh, when we were on Mercury that, that became the record Davy Jones's locker. And so that came out in 99, 2000. That was our last full length. It was on March Records. And we did some touring in the early 2000s and sort of became an indie band, really sort of doing things on a much smaller scale than we were on a major label and i think we you know i think a lot of uh, our fan base probably lost touch with us at that point because we weren't really at the same level uh we were when we were on the major label but within the last four or five years kind of quietly began working on a new full length we did an ep in the mid 2000s i guess 
that was sort of starting an LP, but <laughs> not quite getting it done. Uh, that's called Waterworks. And, um, and now we have a new record that's going to come out uh, next month. Yes, <clears throat> Ultramarine. And boy, right from the first opening notes, it still sounds like the ocean blue, man. That's great. Yeah, it's That's awesome. Great. It's funny that I haven't talked with you since Cerulean because this record, um, I think, reminds me of Cerulean more than any other record we've done in the past. Um, and actually, one of the reasons we called it Ultramarine was to kind of, I don't know, connect or invoke that particular record, that other oh, okay. shade of blue record. Oh, okay. Actually, I think we met uh, in Cincinnati when you were touring Beneath the Rhythm and Sound, which is one of my okay. favorite albums ever. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, that is a, an unsung masterpiece, to be sure. In fact, there's this podcast I listen to called uh, Rock Solid, and uh, one of the subjects they do, um, every three weeks they pick a letter of the alphabet, and they uh, they play bands from with that letter. And then, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, this was the topic, it was third albums. I'm sorry. And so usually I'll go on their page and say, you know, here's my picks for whatever the topic was. And for third albums, I uh, put Beneath the Rhythm and Sound and included a link to the Sublime video. Right. Yeah, getting the word out there, man. Um, so going back to that record, uh, it seems like at that time in the music industry, grunge had just gotten so overpowering that it not only, I think, affected bands like you and the Connells and the Samples and, and great the great jangle pop bands like that and, and some of the Athens bands, but also a lot of the dance club bands like Information Society and Book of Love and Electronic People would did did you feel that at all back then that, that grunge was just this tidal wave that was just sweeping over everything? In some ways, sure. Yeah. I mean it definitely affected our success at radio. In the late eighties and early nineties we had a lot of success at a format called modern rock and, and also at college radio. And I think a lot of people discovered our music on MTV and their specialty programs, but also primarily through radio and, and then word of mouth. But, but radio was a huge thing. And it was, it was interesting. I, I can remember when we were, I think when we were about to tour for Cerulean, our uh -huh. second record, hearing Nirvana's Nevermind and, and the, the radio people just saying, wow, this is going to change everything, this record. And, and they kind of did at the format. I mean, the format really shifted to a much louder, noisier Northwest kind of sound, or at least Northwest in those days. Um, one of the greatest ironies <laughs> is that uh, probably our biggest supporters these days is uh, Seattle's radio station, KXP, which is just cracks oh, wow. me up because they, they, it's not like they relish and grunge or anything like that it's yeah, more yeah. the kind of music we love so it's kind of a funny irony yeah there's that uh famous story of um and i can't remember who actually tells the story that um i, th I think i might have read it in a pet shop boys liner notes or something that the uh head of kroq the program director uh, after they heard nirvana they took blue monday and smashed it on the desk and said we're never playing this kind of music again and i guess once that happened that was pretty much uh the end and and, and sadly i didn't mind grunge but I liked you guys and my electronic bands so much more. So you really had to start digging <laughs> well, yeah, around. And I, and I don't, um, I mean, I, I think there's, there's really just good music and bad music, sure. right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples of great, I mean, there, there was a lot of good stuff, I think, about that. It's just, yeah, we don't need to get into that. But, but yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, I think actually we're, the, the time we're in now musically is just awesome because I think, in some ways, there's kind of rooms for all musical forms. I mean, there's certainly the you know popular 
beard and banjo format and <laughs> but but really there's there's really a lot of um bands that i think have a lot of affinity for the kind of music we make and uh that's one of the things i'm excited about with this record is that you know I, we like the last show we did in this weekend in seattle there were fans that were old school fans at our show but there were kids there in their 20s who were digging it and that was pretty cool yeah, because I think that uh, it, it's kind of like it was again in the '80s, where, like you're saying, people are listening to a lot of different kinds of music. Like the, the uh, I would say, so-called modern rock station we have in town here, it's still very uh, formulated, but they do play, you know, uh, I would say at least a variety of alternative music. They play, as you could say, the beard and banjo music, which I love, great description, like of uh, Monsters and Men and Mumford and Abbott Brothers, but also electronic stuff too, and you know, some other stuff and the occasional uh, 80s and 90s tracks as well. Did, did you have a large catalog of songs uh, coming out of the Waterworks EP and heading into uh, Ultramarine? Yes, I did. Um, and I was kind of dissatisfied with most of them. I mean, one of the reasons Waterworks is an EP is I just didn't really like a lot of um, what was on the table. And going into this record, there were a lot of songs, too, that I just kind of put aside. I mean, I one thing I discovered when I went back to school to grad school was that I still like and love music. I still like writing and recording and I've kind of been doing that as constantly as I ever had since I first started doing it as a teenager. And it's just a matter of finishing all that stuff and wrapping it up in an interesting package. I mean, you know, making the recordings and putting the record together that, um, is work, um, and requires some, thoughtfulness and analysis about like you know what's what would make a cool record what, what collection of songs would sound good together and so it took a while to figure that out and in um, how we wanted to record this record and and do it and i'm pretty slow in the studio and so yeah it was, it was like a four or five year process getting this record together which seems ridiculous on one level but you know there's no rush <laughs> it took yeah it's true it took, took tears for fears how long to record uh sowing the seeds of love you know, and, and human league yeah. to record hysteria. So there's precedent for that, certainly. So did you become a lawyer then? Yeah. Okay. So, and you're practicing law in Hershey, or are you uh, based somewhere um, else? I live in Minneapolis now. Oh, okay. I moved here uh, ah. when I went to school, and uh, I'm an intellectual property lawyer, so I work with copyright, trademark. Oh, interesting. Basically, creatives, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. That's very cool. I, I write for City Pages up there, uh, in addition right. to City Beat down here. So, uh, okay, well, very cool. So how long have you been in Minneapolis? About 10 years. Okay. And, um, yeah, you know, the, one of the connections with the new release is that we started a, a label uh, based here in Minneapolis. It's a co-op label of uh, the Ocean Blue and three other artists. I started it with a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Allison Laban, and uh, she has a, a group called Tipsy Panther and a group with her husband called The Star Folk, and then our friend Jim, who has uh, the legendary Jim Reese group and Jim Reese set, and um, launched that label at the end of the year, and that's that's the label we're uh, launching uh, or releasing uh, our record through. Okay. And uh, do you miss Hershey at all in uh, South Central oh, Pennsylvania? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do, and I get home a lot. Um, I had a house there for a long time in a little hamlet called Mount Gretna, which is uh, about 20 minutes outside of Hershey. And, uh, yeah, I've got family there and friends there, so I'm home a lot. Okay, and we'll do the Mark Maron thing here. Any family in uh, Minneapolis? Um, yeah, yep. Okay, so that that's cool. Um, and uh, I, your friend's uh, Innocence Mission uh, turned up uh, on the soundtrack for, what's that daughter, a movie my daughter and my wife are crazy about, Perks of Being a Wallflower, which was filmed in western Pennsylvania. 
And uh, do you see those guys much anymore? I know you were you guys were all great mates back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don is uh, one of my best friends, and Karen too. And uh, yeah, I, I do. I wish I saw them a lot more than I do. But um, yep, no, we're still great friends and see each other whenever we can. My uh, favorite radio experience involves those guys when they were on A and M. The uh, the rep uh, flew me to New York to see their showcase. Uh, all in a day, I finished my shift at uh, I think. What was it? At three o'clock, maybe. I finished early, drove to the airport, got on a plane, flew to New York, took a cab to the gig in Midtown, saw the gig. It's a forty-minute gig. Met Karen, met Don, got back in a cab, went to the a different airport, flew back to Pittsburgh, was home by midnight watching Letterman. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, how how big of a tour are you guys planning? Do you have are you going to be adding more dates here as the summer goes along? Or yeah, I think we've got seven dates that haven't been announced yet maybe seven to ten dates that haven't been announced yet, but I can tell you we'll be in the East Coast, Mid-Atlantic area. Um, later this spring, we'll, we're going to be at South by Southwest in oh, March. Cool. All right. We have a showcase. I think it's the Saturday of South by Southwest. The okay. exact date is escaping me, but whatever the Saturday of South by Southwest. Um, we've got some West Coast dates um, as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be doing some touring this spring, I guess, and throughout this year as it, as it makes sense. We need to get you to Cincinnati somehow or somewhere <laughs> in Southwest Ohio. <clears throat> well, 97X here, uh, when they were still here, were big supporters of you, even, you know, during the, uh, Oh my, yeah. I mean, there's, like we were talking earlier, radio was one of the biggest, uh, keys to the success that we had. And, um, you know, it's funny, we just hired a, a radio uh, promotion company and I had to think long and hard whether it even made sense these days but I still think there's a few you know there's there's a hearty bunch of radio stations out there that still are meaningful and I, I mean I listen to many of them online so I, I still still think there's room for that although it's a vastly vastly different landscape than there was than it was back when we were uh, first putting out records yeah it's a tough nut to crack in fact you know people really aren't putting out records anymore I'm uh my daughter's boyfriend gave me a $10 iTunes card as a, a Christmas present, and I think I'm going to spend it March 13th on your new album. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Because that's the only well, way I know I, that I can, I'll probably be able to get that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, South by Southwest, I'll have to make sure, too, I promote, uh, you know, I know a lot of people going there. I still have yet to be there, but I will uh, make sure I tell people to, to go check out uh, the Ocean Blue. So what other plans do you have uh, for the, uh, the rest of the year, then? I guess, you know, related to the record, we did a video um, for prior to the release, we, and it's out now, is a, a Corda compilation. That's a compilation of the artists on our labels, uh, are on our label, and we've got two tracks on that, and we did a video for one of the tracks um, that was premiered by Paste maybe two weeks okay. ago, yeah. I think. Um, so we've got that video. Matter of fact, I think City Pages fe featured it this week here in Minneapolis. Um, I'm not sure. Um and then we have a single that's out uh, just now um, for, um, I think it's the second track on the record. Oh, I was going to say, my favorite track. <laughs> yeah. yeah right, Sad cool. Night Wears Morning is yeah, yeah. the single. There's a video in the works for that. I'm not sure whether that'll get done successfully and be, be all good to go uh, soon. But but yeah, so, so we're working the single a little bit now and um, getting ready for the release to, here in a few weeks. Great. Well, we will certainly do our part to help... Uh promote the Ocean Blue in 2013 any way we can. And uh, this has actually kind of been 80s month, weirdly. I interviewed Andy McCluskey of OMD last week. And I'm oh, how awesome. <laughs> hopefully, interviewing, hopefully interviewing Ted Ottaviano 
a book of love uh, in a few weeks because they're doing a one-off in Houston for some reason. But I've got the paper. It's the sister publication of City Pages with the Houston Press. And they said, well, remind us in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll uh, cover the show. So. Cool. So, yeah, those are your, your former label mates. you ever run into those guys? I know you're on the same label, but I don't think you really moved in the same circles. No, we, we didn't. I think um... – yeah, I, I want to say maybe they were on the label before we were or not. I'm not sure, but I certainly remember them. And, um, yeah, somebody it somehow came to my attention that they were playing some shows this year. I, I don't know how, <laughs> but, but I somehow knew that. All right. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time, David. I really appreciate it. I know you're uh, a busy man with the new label and uh, all that lawyer and stuff you're doing up there in the Twin Cities. But, um, like I said, I hope that we'll see you sometime this summer somewhere. And I hope their listeners will check you out as well. And uh, looking forward to the new album that comes out, what, March 13th? Is that correct? Oh, gosh. I should get that right. I should know that. Uh, da, 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 da. I think that's right, because <laughs> the 17th is a Sunday, so the 13th would probably be, like, that Tuesday, whatever that Tuesday is. Yeah, whatever is, the Tuesday is. Yeah, I wanted one. to say March 19th, but maybe okay. it is the 13th. Oh, maybe, it's, maybe it is the week after. Okay, well, we'll have, we'll have uh, on our Podbean page, we'll have it, all the information and links and everything to where folks can buy it. It'll be available on iTunes and Amazon and all that fun stuff? Yep. Oh, awesome. Yep. Terrific. All right. Yep. All right, and Dave. Directly, we'll... directly from us too. That's okay. always the best way to get it. Oh, then we'll link to the. Uh, if you can do that. We'll link yeah. to the co-op site then. Yeah, because I know a lot of the the young bands. My daughter and I uh, go see. Uh, we are the In Crowd. We the Kings. All those. I I know they. Um, it's better if you buy the CD actually at the show, because then yeah. they're getting more of a cut. So yeah. So if you want to support totally. your bands, young people, either go directly to the band's website or when you're at the show, uh, fork out some cash there. Uh, all right, David. Well, thanks uh, for taking the time again, and great catching up with you after all these years. And, yes, uh, glad, it was fun. Glad Good we have new Ocean Blue records. Very exciting. Okay. All thanks right. a lot, Patrick. Bye-bye. Bye. And thanks again to Dave Schultzel for being on the podcast. It is so good to have the Ocean Blue back. This is their brand new track, Sad Night. Where is Morning from the forthcoming album Ultramarine, available this Tuesday, March 19th. More info to come right after this.
Sad Night, Where Is Morning, the brand new track from the Ocean Blue, back after about a 10-year hiatus, and so good to have them back. You can buy the brand new album, Ultramarine, Tuesday, March 19th, from the Ocean Blue website. That's theoceanblue.com. Very easy to remember. And also, uh, it's better to buy the uh, album from the website. It helps the band, as you uh, heard Dave say. You can get a digital version uh, if you need so from the Ocean Blue website. That'll direct you to Bandcamp, where you'll be able to download a digital version. The rest of the band's catalog is also available on the Ocean Blue website, save for the debut album, which I still believe is in print and available through iTunes, Amazon, so on and so forth. I would also recommend Beneath the Rhythm and Sound. Uh, We heard Sublime from that before the interview with Dave. Okay, so the Ocean Blue will be touring uh, coming up this summer. They're doing a couple dates as I'm recording this, but by the time this drops, they will have finished doing their, their, uh, I guess, dates to debut the album uh, in uh, South by Southwest in Austin, and also a couple dates in Los Angeles uh, on uh, Sunday night, March 17th, I believe it is. All right, so uh, that is all we have for uh, our time today. Let me just go over the usual, uh, the credits and so forth. Of course, music composed and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me, uh, PF Tape Recorder logo by Dan Coble. His podcast, along with his buddy Logan, Magic Potion, which is, uh, if you're into kind of the, uh, the tech thing, but you don't quite understand it, these guys, I think uh, this is the way their show is moving. They're kind of like, you know, the, the young people that you go to to ask your tech advice, and they kind of, you know, break it down for you and uh, explain some of the, you know, technology for you. It's very helpful. I recommend that. We have links to that on the Podbean page. Let me see. Um, like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. And I believe that is all the business we have at hand for this week. Lots of great guests coming up. Uh, and so feel free to go back and cherry pick to get caught up on the previous 86 episodes. And then uh, look forward to, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you who they are. You'll just have to see who they are. But I got some, we've got some really good people coming up, especially uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. And so long, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.